0: <laughs> Welcome to Bloom Living. I am your host, Thomas Shooter, former rock musician turned financial strategist, sharing amazing ideas from amazing people looking to up the game of life whenever we can. Hey, hey, hey. Wow. So we're here at the Bloom Living podcast and uh, we've had a technical, it's a technical joyous occasion uh, between uh, Greg Drozdow and myself, Thomas Shooter, the host of the Bloom Living podcast. Uh, so let me set this up, Greg. First of all, I apologize. We, we were supposed to go live, uh, 18 minutes ago and for some reason, zoom wasn't uploading to Facebook and, uh, I've decided that, well, the heck with it. We'll just go to be live. Cause I used that once before, like two years ago and fired it up. It's working. We're live. We're on Facebook. We're recording also to zoom at the same time. And the, live. Greg and I have an echo. Because we're listening to two different broadcasts at the same time. Of course, I'm loving this. Let me, let me set you up, though, because I, I want to bring you in uh, properly to the show. So here it is. Greg cool. Drozdow is a licensed financial planner and coach with a mission to share, teach, inspire, and guide people in areas of personal finance, lifestyle, and business Greg's inspiration for personal finance originated from his desire to help people live an empowered life as they plan for tomorrow while living for today. He graduated from Brandy's University in 2012 with a bachelor's degree in business and has more than seven years in the financial services industry. He holds his life, accident, and health insurance licenses, as well as his Series 6, 63, and 65 securities licenses allowing him to have one of the highest fiduciary obligations to all of his clients. And when Greg is not being a student of the financial industry, he is an avid piano player and traveler. He enjoys a variety of activities, including basketball, hiking, skiing, snowboarding, and spending time with his wife, Layla, and close family and friends. You got it, right on the money. Greg, welcome to the Bloom Living Podcast. Happy to have you.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. Very excited. Thanks for having me tonight.
0: Yeah, uh, and you're in New York, so we're we're recording this at four o'clock in the afternoon, my time. When I'm on the other side of the continent, I'm in uh, I'm like literally, you know, on an island in the Pacific Ocean, and you're on the East Coast. So uh, we're you know we're burning the candle out in New York and just getting ready to to do that on the West Coast.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: So hey. Fox uh, Technology. You know, so we got a little kibosh tonight. Um, you know, we had this technology challenge. We're through it. We're on the other side of it. And that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Here's some of the things I was actually going to touch in off the top. Uh, and and so why don't we just, you know, kind of start talking about them. You know, as a business cool. owner, uh, I like to do a lot of reading. I don't know about yourself, but I like to do a lot of reading. So right Absolutely. now, I'm, I'm reading a book called Profit First. I'm currently reading The Creature from Jekyll Island at the same time. Uh I'm reading another book at the same time called Power Up Your Life, The Twelve Powers as well, and a couple other things that I and those I need to do for some of the courses I'm in. What sort of stuff have you been reading lately? What kind of books have you gotten into that inspire you and also keep you in the loop on what's going on in the financial biz?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, first of all, reading, you know, educating always is important. It's huge. Without that, right, if you don't learn, you don't grow. Um I've been reading a, a bunch regards to uh different areas. For me right now, my big thing is is growing my my brand uh and, and my and my business. Um, but I have a, a list of of different books um that are you know on my to-do list. I I have you know started certain things that um you know maybe in one direction and then going in another direction, but um I have a, a few lists of things here. one of the books um that I just started was uh crushing it by gary v uh, i had I had that one on my list for a while um you know so there's a difference between you know f- finance books marketing different things like that so i'm I'm all in it and this is just pulling up here. I have a huge list I'll go through a, some good ones for you
0: right so you're you know, you're kind of like me. It was like when I was reading your bio. Actually, I was thinking, oh, hey, this guy kind of sounds familiar. Maybe, uh, maybe I do know him. Uh, in that, in that, you know, I'm a, I love finance. I have my life insurance license. I had, I gave up my securities license a little while ago, but I had the securities license for a number of years. And I kind of threw you on the spot there about books. I apologize for that. It's all good. And, uh, and, and also, I just know the value of constantly educating and if you will, even re-educating myself with what is happening in the financial services industry. Cause like, just look at yesterday, yeah massive market decline, right? Yep. Trade war is firing up Yeah. as an advisor with clients that affects, you know, what's going on and that affects their portfolios. And, and so, you know, what do you do in a situation like that? Like how, how, uh, driven are you into the markets or is it more that insurance in front and then the markets behind?
1: So I think it's, so that's a great question. First of all, we saw like a, a big dip yesterday and then it, today, you know, we're up, uh, we're back up again. Uh, one of the greatest, um, you know, we, we've had a, a great upturn. So I think in the last month. Um, but yeah, I, it's really for me with working with clients, just having a balanced strategy, right? So a lot of people are, focused, oh, um, you know, on only the market. But oftentimes, I lead with, you know, what are your short term, your midterm, your long term goals? Are you protecting your family? So that's where the insurance conversation would come in. And then at the same time, do you have enough liquidity to have an emergency fund, but also have buying opportunity to do with the things that you want in your life, right? So whether that's travel, whether that's invest in real estate, whether it's, you know, buying a house for, for your family, whatever that is, and then creating some type of long-term growth and eventually a distribution of asset strategy that would be pretty much using investments, let's say, that are, are market-based or have volatility, right? So whether that be a retirement account for the long-term or a brokerage account for the mid or the short-term, investing in stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, and having a combination of both. But from you know what we've seen yesterday, just to comment on that, I think that You know, a lot of people lose sight on on the longer and the the bigger picture. And it's something that, you know, Warren Buffett uh, has constantly stated. Uh, There's actually a a really interesting book called Common Sense Investing. I don't know if you've ever read that. But, um, you know, talking about the principles of not timing the market and just actually, um, you know, Maintaining, you know, quality, low costs, and funds, and and looking at it over a long period of time, and seeing how the market performs over the period of time. Right. So there's going to be volatility. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be maybe a potential recession, right, nearing soon. We don't know, but we're we're definitely due. And uh, you know, having a, a more of a of a long-term strategy and not trying to time the market so much. And and for me, I'm I'm very big on that with a lot of my clients. You know, we're not going to be in too many aggressive types of types of investments, um, whether they're ETFs, mutual funds or anything like that. If, you know, if they have short term goals where they need real liquidity or cash on hand, so.
0: Right. You know what? You just hit like a shopping list of things that, <laughs> that, that I want to talk about. And, uh, so in no particular order, uh, you know, one of the things I heard you say really is patience, right? If you're investing patience. in the market, patience. And I'm a Warren Buffett fan. And I truly believe you make your money when you buy, right? You don't make your money when you sell, you make your money when you buy. So it's buying at the right price. It's buying a great business and getting it at the right price. And then being patient to allow that company to do what they're out to do. Right. Right. And, and staying with it. So that's one thing I heard. Another thing I heard was liquidity. 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 And so there's a couple of things there for me. And let's talk about, Uh, look, so one of the struggles I have as an advisor, and maybe this is the same for you is that if clients need access to money and we're invested in the markets and that's our only access to funding, right now we have to sell and we may be selling at the worst possible time, right? Like if you look at 2008, 2009, if people needed access to their money, they were selling at rock bottom, low prices, right? So you're getting the worst price for a great asset perhaps. Right. And then you and I are both in the insurance business as well. I'm an advocate of bank on yourself. As am I. (laughs) So I think you are, and one of the reasons I love it is because in a liquidity crisis, I'm not selling anything. I'm actually accessing funds. So how does that how does that look in the u s because I know I know the rules really well in Canada. I know a little bit about the rules in u s and the USA but maybe just talk about how you frame a properly structured whole life insurance
1: policy for that liquidity moment Great question so um, you also touch on a couple of things that I think are very interesting right so um, for so first off before I get into you know the 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 market and and you had mentioned something you know if people needed liquidity at that time, right most people if you didn 't sell on the low if the market 's down and you rode and your time horizon's a lot longer you know the the right move would be not not to sell in a down market and ride it out but if you 're someone who needs liquidity right and you 're investing in the market, what we do is we use specially designed life insurance as an asset class so I know that you 're very familiar with this concept right called banking on uh, banking uh, on yourself or infinite banking there 's different types of of descriptions that different professionals or advisors use and and you know they're all they 're all great they all serve their different purposes but banking on yourself so what it is is Whole life specifically, whole life insurance, for those who don't know what whole life insurance is, it's a form of what we call specially designed life insurance. So in the life insurance realm, there are different types of insurance. You have what we call term insurance, which is something that is most would consider an expense. So you buy it, it lasts for a certain period of time. Let's say it's 10, 15, or 20 years, or 30 years. And you're really only buying it to protect something in your life. God forbid if someone who is the breadwinner in the family passed away, what legacy are you leaving? Meaning, do you need to cover your mortgage? Do you need to send your kids to college if you have kids? Do you want to leave your spouse or someone with some money? So that's what term insurance is. It's just protecting something for a certain period of time and you don't get any money back. You have to pass away in order for the estate to get that money.
0: Right. So it's kind of oh, like, like catastrophic risk, right?
1: Right. It's risk management 101. It's the yeah. cheapest form to, to insure your family. Now, whole life insurance is an asset. So now the second type of insurance is what we call permanent life insurance, which serves as an asset class where you're putting in dollars into an account or into a policy where, God forbid, if you did pass away on day one, you have a death benefit, right? A tax-free benefit that would pass to your your beneficiaries, just like term insurance does. But the difference is, is that you're also putting money into an account that grows interest over time. And the way that whole life grows interest is it's based on the performance of the insurance company that you're actually investing with or what we call buying the policy from, right? So you're a mutual insurance or you're a mutual owner. You're a mutual owner if you're buying from a mutual insurance company, where at the end of the year, after the company pays off death claims, they pay off their expenses or they cover their expenses and they have any money left over, they pay you back in the form of a dividend. So it's money that's given back to the policy owner. Thank you so much for being a policy owner. We, the company did well this year in regards to you know we're, we, we now have money uh, left over and that we're going to give you back into your policy as you continue to, to grow with us over time. So it's just like a stock, right? If Apple did well, in the, sense, in the sense of a dividend, it's like a stock. Um, that's what I mean by that, not the volatility factor. So if Apple, let's say, does very well at the end of the year, they have money left over, um, what do they do? They can either reinvest, any big company can reinvest back uh, into the company, or they can take that cash and distribute it in the form of a dividend back to their shareholders. So right. the distribution to the shareholders from a, from a dividend standpoint is what I'm referring to uh, with whole life, that's how it works. The policy, um, the company res- gives you as the policy owner a dividend that grows your cash over time, and it's just an interest bearing account. You know, you put in X for a certain period of time, and eventually you'll have more in that account than you put in. And there are certain guarantees to different policies as well. So it's what we call the safest, it's one of the safest asset classes out there because insurance companies have been doing this for so long that they are able to provide these types of guarantees for people that's that's actually in a written contract
0: right like we're talking you know and i'll just i'll just jump in here but we're talking like 200 years 200 I mean, years yeah. whole life has been around and and one of the beauties is also it grows tax-free yep right. so it grows tax-free but here's where i this is where You know, so I was a financial advisor as I am today, a financial advisor, totally bent on the stock market where you buy term, you invest the rest, never could I ever see the light of day to owning a whole life insurance policy. I read the, you know, Becoming Your Own Banker, the infinite banking concept in 2013 and my my head popped off and I was like, wait a second. I had no idea you could borrow against your policy. And not only can you borrow it against it, there's no questions asked. They have to lend you the money. It's completely private, so nobody knows you've borrowed the money. It doesn't show up on a creditor report at all. It's a private arrangement. You get to set your own terms to paying it back. So when I read that, I was like, mind blown. Okay, didn't know that. And then I went down the road of, I gotta prove this is BS. Right. Like I've actually, I'm that guy that is like, okay, that's too good to be true. There's got to be holes in this. Right. And you know, the only hole I have found in it is, is two things. One is it's called insurance. Right. So immediately people are like, whoa, don't want anything to do with it. Right. And the other one is it's kind of slow. It's like paying down a mortgage of a house. Right. It's a slow process to where you win in the end. And you know, in today's world, everybody wants
1: everything right away. Exactly. It's you're absolutely right. So that's why when it comes to planning, you have to have what we call your, you know, your more aggressive bucket, right? Maybe things that can be more volatile. And then you have your safer asset classes. So what we use, you know, whole life insurance would be considered, in my opinion, a bond type of replacement. It's a bond replacement in the sense that bonds are generally, when people think of bonds, even for the last 20, 30, 40 years, they're very conservative, relatively speaking, right? There's different types, of course. Uh, but generally speaking, the asset class of a bond is going to be more conservative than, let's say, a, a volatile stock. So whole life insurance is really a bond replacement. And um, it's not too good to be true. But like anything, you can kind of say it's too good to be free in the sense that the freedom that you're sacrificing is your liquidity today, right? So you want to get a good rate of return in this thing over time, it's not going to happen in two years. It's not going to happen in three years. It's going to take right. at least 10 years for this, for you to have more cash than what you've put in. So um, you have to be willing to, you know, invest. You could call it investing in yourself uh, because you're investing in your, you know, in yourself through a vehicle, but uh, for a certain period of time, Right. Be comfortable with that and and sacrifice some liquidity, even though you do have access to the cash, unlike a retirement account at any point, uh, if you need the money. So that is the difference. But generally speaking, right, when we're doing this or structuring these strategies for clients, we, you know, I tell them, listen, you don't want to touch this for at least 10 years because the costs of any insurance policy are highest within the first four years. And you're really your cash value is going to grow a lot or, or or more within years five through ten. So after ten years, you know we we could do this where the client's paying in for ten years, you can pay in for twenty years, and there's the cool thing about it, which I love, is that you can you can structure it any way you want for the client. Um, right. And it, and it does have a lot of flexibility. So that's the beauty of it. Um, and yeah, man, I mean it's it, it's you know it's tax deferred. It grows it grows tax deferred. When you take distributions, it's tax free down to the cost basis of what you've put into the policy. And then anything outside or, or after the cost basis, you're technically loaning yourself off the policy. And you're taking a loan that's tax free that you don't have to pay back until you pass away.
0: Right. And then the death benefit is tax free. And so you're borrowing, which doesn't count as income. So in retirement, you can use this as another in, income in retirement vehicle, although it's in the form of a loan. So I really see this great as, as, you know, for, for families, but also for business owners. I think this is like a gem to have inside of a corporate structure where, especially where you have to ensure the primaries of any business. And, and I'll just say this the other day, I was talking to somebody in Texas and uh, my wife, Leslie, and I just howled at this. We were talking, I just met the man and he said, he goes, Thomas, you know, I don't have a great Texas accent, but he's like, Thomas, there's God, family, your community, and whole life insurance. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Anyhow, I I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, I want to move on a little bit to something you said, the recession, like a recession. And so I'm a huge advocate of watching the bond market and Hmm. looking for that inverted yield curve, which yep. we just experienced. And for anybody that doesn't know, an inverted yield curve is where your short-term rates are higher. You're getting more to put your money in short-term than you are in long-term in terms of an interest rate. And, you know, do you know the, the numbers on that? My belief is it's like 99% of the time that signals a recession. And, it, you know, we, this is what happened in 07. Mm-hmm. We, we, that's the last time we saw an inverted yield curve. Uh, Do you know, do you know the data on that?
1: I I, I don't, I can't speak on two specifics on it. I just know that, I mean, what I can comment on, on, you know, where we're at right now in a market cycle, I I think we, you know, it's clear we've seen some, some very good runs. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are overpriced. And I, and I think that, you know, while, um, while it's been great to capture all these upside returns, I think that due to the, to where we are, I think it, it would be healthy to see a little bit, of losses right Uh, yesterday we had a bigger loss today the market came back but it didn't come back as much as we lost yesterday so in a blessing in disguise I I think that's actually a good thing uh, for the long term right markets need to kind of refresh right refresh themselves Um, but uh, yeah I mean you know Right now, that, that was a big signal, right? The inverted yield curve, that's a sign that a recession can be coming soon. So these are just, just signals. But quite, so a lot of people might be listening to this and, and you might be wondering, okay, so what does that actually mean for me, right? What, do, what, does that, what does that really mean? We're talking all this technical stuff. Okay, Greg, Thomas, we don't care about that, right? What do we care about? What do, what do we need to know? How does this affect me? How does this affect me? That's so, all I care about. <laughs> so first things first, one thing that I see a lot of people do that is a common mistake when it comes to investing is they always start with the sexy stuff. They always buy the things that have the most risk and potentially the most reward, which I'm not against that. I think, I, I think you, you, there's different parts to your portfolio, but before you do that, ask yourself the question, what is my goal this year? What is my goal in two or three years? What is my goal in five years? And then what is my goal 10 years or 10 years plus, right? If your goal in a year is to buy a property or invest in real estate, for example, then you shouldn't really be invested in any risky things, right? And you you might just want to be building a cash or liquidity bucket, just just cash, right? Because real estate, if that's going to be your investment, you know, depending on what it is, then that's your investment. If it's a 10-year time horizon, right, do you buy on a day where the market goes down? Generally speaking, yes. If the market takes a dip, you always want to buy low, right? But the Warren Buffett principle is buy low and hold forever, right? Buy and hold forever. Um, but if you have a 10-year time horizon, right, if the market dips, you don't need to panic. The people who lost the most money in 2008 were the people who, who, who sold on the bottom, even in my family, I had family members that had mentioned, Oh yeah, you know, uh, the market dipped, but you know what? I held out. I held out and look where I am now. Now the market, you know, they are two times two X, three X the money. Um, you know, depending on, on when you bought in, but compared to where we were at that low at 2008. So if the, there's another market cycle and you have a long time horizon, you shouldn't be worrying about anything. If anything, that's a good thing. And when the market dips down, buy more, right? Right. Buy, buy when prices are low and hold, hold until, you know, you, your, your goals. But I think with, with that being said, that's, it's, it's so important for people, right. And this is why I try and push planning as a concept for people to really grasp, you know, they say, okay, if I give you a hundred, grand, Greg, you know, what can you do for me? And I'm like, well, you know, that's, you know, it just, that's such an arbitrary question. What do you need? Right. What do you, what do you want? What are you trying to do? Right. What you is know? the
0: outcome you are seeking You know, and and Greg, I'm going to, I'm just going to jump in here because you're, you're speaking exactly how I view my job. My job is, is to actually understand what it is. You know, if you were a client, Greg, I would want to know what the heck do you want to see happen in your life? Like, do you have kids? Do you care about them? You know, I mean, it's a good question. Like, how much do you care about them? Do you want to provide for their education or do you think they should, you know, figure that out on their own? Like understanding what you want to have accomplished with your money is the first step in figuring out how can I help to answer that question? What can I do for you? Well, let's talk about what
1: it is you want to see happen. And then I can tell you whether I can do that for you. Exactly. Exactly. So, so going off that in one example, right? So I have, you know, I ask the client, let's say you ask someone, okay, do you, do you care about your kids? Do you want to send them to college? Well, yes, yes, I do. Great. How old are they? Uh, They're five and 10. Okay, great. So you have an eight-year time horizon before your first child goes to school, right? Where are you saving most of your money? Well, I max out my 401k, and, you know, I don't really save it anywhere else right now. Okay, well, why are you putting money into an account that grows, yes, tax-deferred, but you can't touch the money for anything but retirement until you turn 60, or else you get penalized and taxed when you need to save for college at the same time, right? Well, they're like, well, you know, my 401k has good investment options. I can choose different mutual funds. That's great, but that's the wrong vehicle for you. It's the wrong time. Not for retirement. You still got to save for retirement, but you also have to plan for this other goal here. So how are you going to balance that? How do you do that?
0: Hey, it's Thomas here. Thanks so much for listening to the Bloom Living Podcast. We'll be right back with our guest after a word from our sponsors. Do you feel uneasy visiting a bank? Do you struggle to sit through a meeting with your financial advisor and leave having not fully understood what they were talking about? Are you blindly trusting that somebody else understands this better than you? Call Thomas the Shooter and the team at Bloom Strategies to create your financial future. Together, you will break down the game of money so that you win. Learn how to take control of your finances and make decisions based on your core values that put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. No more thinking that you don't get it. No more financial statements left unopened and no more feeling like you are stuck in a world of scarcity. Join the conversation on Facebook at Bloom Strategies or go to bloomstrategies.com today. That's B-L-O-O-M strategies.com. Hey, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Bloom Living Podcast and now back to today's guest
1: different types of accounts. I know in Canada, it's, a little, it's different, but same concepts. Um, but specially designed insurance is also one vehicle that people can use, by the way, that doesn't show up on a FAFSA form. So when you apply for financial aid for your kid, there are certain assets that count against you if you want to qualify for financial aid. Cash value in, a, in an insurance policy does not show up on a FAFSA form. So that's one, mm-hmm. one, one interesting uh, benefit. It's retirement assets, any equity in your home. And, uh, any cash value and any life insurance policy that you have are the three that don't uh, count against you when you apply for financial aid,
0: financial aid for education. Yes. And so that is, uh, your, your home value. So your personal residence.
1: Yep. Equity Uh, in your home.
0: Yeah. What was the other, what was the second one?
1: Retirement assets. Okay. So So anything at
0: a 401k, uh,
1: 403b, 403b, yeah. Roth would count. Um, Anything, qual- anything what was called, you know, qualified under in the United States ERISA, ERISA laws. So yeah, call your 401k, 403b plans. Right. And, and then, then
0: whole life insurance,
1: especially design life insurance. It doesn't only have to be whole life. It could be right. any cash value and any type of right. uh, insurance. So by the way, guys, there, there's also different types of, of insurance besides whole life. Whole life is a specific asset, but there's, there's also different products out there called universal life and variable universal life where the cash grows instead of dependent upon the performance of the insurance company, it grows based on the performance of the stock market, so you can actually choose mutual funds uh, to to have your cash grow if you want it to be perhaps maybe say more aggressive right so here's
0: what's uh, what's crazy about yesterday so I was thinking about this before before we were going to jump on this call together is that uh, you know I have investments in the stock market, I have a little bit of money in cryptocurrency. Okay, just cuz you never know, right? Yep. So I have a little bit in that. I have Which is up, up by
1: the way, up a lot recently. Oh yeah, last two days. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm actually I started I this is the first year I've ever weighed into the crypto market and I was actually looking at it in 90 days I think I'm up 43%. Yep, on my crypto purchase, right? And so yesterday as the market fell, I also have 10 of these properly structured whole life insurance policies on my family. So I've, you know, I've got some on my wow. kids, I've got some on my wife, uh, Leslie, and I have some inside the corporation on me. And you know how much I worried about them yesterday? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Because they're not gonna go down. They're just right. not. Like I never have to worry about the downside of that cash there. Yep not that I worried about the market cause I I am an advocate that over the long term, you know, unless our entire way of life ends over the long term, the markets are going to, you know, my, I'm going to have see growth inside of properly organized companies that pay dividends that are blue chip, you know, like I don't think Apple's going anywhere. I don't think, you know, Amazon's going to suddenly go out of business tomorrow. If the, if the, you know, stock market goes down. They're not, they're still going to be doing their business. So, um, I don't know what my point is. I guess my point is, is that I I think what I I love, what you, what I heard you say was the planning side. Right. And it's not being so tied to any one stream that you throw everything else out. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like being so like it's insurance or nothing, or it's the stock market or nothing, or it's real estate or nothing.
1: Right, it's having a balanced strategy. It's dependent upon your needs, your goals, of course. But I'm a big, I'm a big believer in diversification. I think having a sophisticated portfolio, in the sense of I have my aggr- aggressive investment pool, right? I have my call it moderate ingress- investment pool, where you know I'm getting conservative returns, or my income is protected to uh, later in my life, and then I have my liquidity. So having a balance between this and then within those types of, of risk tolerance or aggressive or moderate or conservative investments, how are you saving on taxes, right? Those are the different types of accounts. A lot of people don't understand the difference, you know, in an IRA and, 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 and a 401k and, and all that. An IRA and a 401k are the same. They're, they're the same tax code. The only difference is how much you can contribute into each in, in, in the United States. Um, what do they call What's the 401k plan up in Canada? What do they call that?
0: It's, uh, it's called an RRSP. Okay. A, uh, a registered retirement
1: savings plan. Got it. Same concept, right? It's pre-tax, gross tax deferred, and then eventually taxed on the way out. On the Yeah. Way- you get a deduction to put
0: in. You can take it out at any time and there's no penalty. You just have to pay the tax that you basically gave up. So it, what the way it works up in Canada is that it adds to your income. Okay. So if I take out twenty thousand dollars out of my registered account and I earned a hundred thousand dollars this year, I've now earned a hundred and twenty, and because we're in a tiered tax environment, that twenty I'll take out will be taxed at the highest rate that I'm in. Got it. Right. Uh, and then we also have the tax-free savings account, which I think is similar to the Roth. Where you can you get to put in a certain amount of money every year, it grows tax free, and you can pull it out and not pay tax on it.
1: Yep, nice. How much? How much do they allow you to contribute up in Canada? It's five thousand a year into a Roth or okay. to the TF, TFSA. Okay, so it's the same here. And now it's it got bumped to six thousand in twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, I, and I, you know what? I might be wrong. I think it might be fifty five hundred and going up to six. It it actually one government, the previous government, moved it up to ten. And was going to then index it to inflation.
1: Wow, that's cool. And
0: then, they did do it. And well, we had a new government come in, and they were like, "That only serves the wealthy." So they, you right. know, they chopped it down and put it back to the. Uh, it's, I think it's fifty five hundred actually, and it's going up to six, and it'll
1: probably stay there for a while. Right. Right. That's uh, that's cool. Well, that that is really cool. Yeah. So it's very similar between the U.S. and Canada. Just, yeah, it's just you guys just have, just have all these. these-
0: yeah, you guys have all these funky names for stuff like the Roth IRA and the 01K. <laughs> like it's, you know, we've got like RRSP and TFSA. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not nearly as fun to say. We, we,
1: try, we try and make things a little sexier here in America. <laughs>
0: hey, have, uh, you read, have you ever heard or read The Creature from Jekyll Island? I have not.
1: Do you, do you know of the book? Uh, I think someone, someone probably mentioned, it sounds familiar. I'm not really that familiar with it, honestly. Uh, so it's a, I, it's
0: hard to find. It's, mm-hmm. it's easier to find as an audible book than it is to find in, in copy as print. I yep. read it a number. I read it when I uh, discovered the infinite banking concept. And then I've, I've actually been listening to it recently as an audio book. Uh, when I'm out with the dog or, you know, running or doing something like that, then I, then I love to have audiobooks on. Yeah. Uh, but it is about the creation of the Federal
1: Reserve. Okay. This is a great topic. I love this topic. Right.
0: So this, this is. Good- is uh, oh, 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 we might go dark. <laughs> 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 but no, this is about the creation of the Federal Reserve and what it's intended to do. Yep. And, you know, f- so for me, where I sit, my view of the financial world is that, you know, I think every country is insolvent <laughs> like they're basically bankrupt yep and the only thing that keeps them afloat is their ability to tax the people because every government just spends so much money sure How does it like what's the feeling you know from where I sit I look and I go, wow you know America's got 21 trillion dollars in debt their deficits are in the trillions ours are in the you know hundreds of billions. How does that, like, what do you do? Like, do you ever think about this? Like, what is
1: your overall view of how this is going to unfold? It's a great, great question. I'm actually building, I'm launching something very soon. I can't talk about it too much on here, but I'm very excited because what I'm trying to do is provide more transparency for some of the common issues that I think we'll be facing in the next 20 or 30 years with, with, with the debt and, and things like that. Now, my view on this is okay. So I don't know if anyone has ever been to usdebtclock.org. It is a, it is a scary financial website. If you check it out, it, it is the the uh, rapid fire live debt increasing every second. And the U.S. has twenty one trillion dollars in debt. About over like ten years ago, I think even under Obama, uh, when Obama first came to office, it was like I think between and I might be a little off on this, but like between eight 8 trillion to 12 trillion or something like that. And we've just exploded since. And one of the things that I like I bring to attention when I when I talk to people, you know, about putting money only in their 401k or their reti- for their retirement or people just saving for retirement. You know, most people only have access to through their company. If you're an employer, this is a different conversation, first of all, guys, than if you are a business owner. I'm going to get to the business owner. Fits who uh, have a 401k plan, whether you're an executive, you're an employee, you know, whoever you are, okay, you have a retirement account, you're putting in money, you don't pay taxes today. So it gets deducted off your income today. It grows and any of the accumulation or gains grows tax deferred. But when you take the money out in retirement, whenever that is for you between 59 and a half to 70, you are taxed on every dollar you take out. So if you have three to five, let's say you have $5 million in a retirement account, okay, at at, at 60, when you take out income, let's say it was 50 grand a year, you need a paycheck off of that, that 5 million, that 50 grand comes out and you have to pay taxes on every 50 grand check or distribution that you take out, right? So someone might say, okay, so what, right? I'm deducting money today. I'm not paying it, meaning deducting duct- taxes today. I'm growing my money tax deferred. I'm not paying any capital gains tax, like in a brokerage account or anything like that. So, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is right now, especially under the Trump administration. Uh, in a short term, you know, great so taxes are lower. Okay, we we ever are in the one of the lowest. There's a, if you ever check the tax rate charts from, from like 1900 or even 1800s till now. We're in one of the lowest time periods we've ever been in the United States regarding tax rates. The highest marginal tax rate today, it was 39%. And then when Trump changed the law, it was 375 for the highest marginal income. Okay, So in the 50s and the 70s and the 60s, in the 50s and 60s, the tax rate, the highest marginal bracket was 90%. Today we're at 375 The highest bracket at that time in the 50s and 60s was 90%. So... If you were, let's say, I can't remember when Muhammad Ali was actually like fighting. Was it the 60s? I think it was the 60s, right? Late 60s, early 70s. Okay. So even let's say it was in the early 70s, the tax rate dropped to 70%, the highest margin was 90 and then it dropped to 70. If you made a million dollars, you would have to pay the IRS at a 90% bracket. If you're making a million bucks, 900 grand, you would keep hundred grand. You made a million. You give the government 900000 In the 70s, when the tax rate dropped to 70%, you made a, a million bucks. You're giving the government 700000 keeping three.
0: Now, I just wanted to know, is that on a tiered system or that was the old over- That's at the
1: highest marginal bracket. We're talking about the highest marginal bracket, just to, just to, to keep things as simple as possible, right? Okay. I realize people are, are bracketed depending on your income, right? right? But just to give you the example of where tax rates are. Okay, now we're at a 37.5% bracket. We're low if you look at the, the scale. So we have $21 trillion in debt. If the government keeps going into debt in the future and we need to eventually get this debt down, some people might say, well, why do we got to get it down? It's a good, it's a good point. We may, we may just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and it may not happen in our lifetime. But if there's a slight chance that the government, whoever is in the administration, decides to pay down the debt, And that it's a priority and we need to, we owe countries this and that. And there's, you know, trade wars going on like we're seeing with China right now. What do we do? Well, you can either reduce government spending going forward, okay? Or you can, you're going to have to increase taxes, right? If they increase taxes back to where they were in the 60s or the 70s, and you're putting all your money into pre-tax retirement accounts, like 401ks and IRAs, and and eventually in 20 or 30, 40 years, you're going to have to take income off of that, People think, well, I'll be spending mo- less money in retirement. But what if your tax rate's higher? You're pulling the same income and you're being taxed at a higher rate. So you're going to be paying more in taxes later in your life than you might be now. So what we try and do is create a balanced strategy. Pay no taxes now, but also pay taxes now and pay no taxes later. Right? That would mm-hmm. be your Roth, your specially designed life insurance, your whole life insurance. Right? And having a balance. So going back to your point, right, it's really finding a balance. It's finding a balance about you know, where you are in your life and, and if you're putting money away from a long-term perspective, how to balance a tax strategy. Now, if you're a business owner, I like this is now kind of getting into the concept of business owner. What what do you think, Thomas, about like about you know the business owner mindset in investing? Right? So we're ta- we've been talking about what, what most of America does, right? 401ks, IRAs, putting money in tax-deferred accounts for a long period of time. Definitely beneficial. But longer time horizon, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. What do you say to the person who's a business owner? What's the first conversation that you would typically maybe have with with them regarding investing or saving anything?
0: Well, I'll tell you, uh, (laughs) that changed about four days ago. Okay, And and so here's what – I started to read this book called Profit First, right? And it's blowing my mind in terms of – how, uh, how I've even looked at every business I've ever invested in and, and how I've run my own business, which is under GAP. Yep. Right? General uh, accounting rules, right? Right. And, and so it always looks at grow your business, grow your business, grow your business, grow your business, just bring in more income, more income, and somehow you'll figure out how to be profitable. And this book is about no, 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 no. What you do first is you make sure your profit first you take a profit out of everything you do it's a it's a pay yourself first mentality right. right and it also has baked inside of it something that i love and maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about more about this cuz in in a business in a personal life it talks about cash flow like cash flow is huge to your operations as a business owner but to your operations as a family cash flow is massive right and so I actually like to back people up and go, "Hey, let's not even talk about investing. Let's not even talk about, you know, where we're going to put money. Let's first figure out what is it. What does the money
1: look like that's coming in and going out? Right, cash flow. That's the whole thing. That's the biggest. I find the biggest uh, roadblock for most people regarding their ability to save or their mindset in regards to investing or saving is the cash flow.
0: Yeah, like if if. You know, uh, and this came to me a number of years ago I as I, I was on a board of trade. I was on the board of the, of, um, of a chamber of commerce and the accountant, uh, who was the chair and I was vice chair. We were talking one day, we we're out for lunch and my dad used to, my dad used to have this saying, you'll never go broke making a profit, yeah. right. which is a great saying. And then he said, you know, he was funny. He goes, well, actually, you know what, that, that could be wrong because right. if you're, if you're. Creditors don't pay you quickly enough, and you owe money, but you don't have the cash flow to pay them. You could end up bankrupt if they call your loans and you don't have the cash flow. So I really believe cash flow is everything, right? And I was like, that's kind of interesting. I never, I never really looked at it that way. So, what do you? So, with that in mind, like, what sort of strategies? And maybe you can't unpack too much because you've got some new stuff coming up. but how do you handle? That side of the equation for people, and and I'd lo- just love to talk about that because I have a strategy and I'm happy to share it. But I'd love to hear what you do, Greg. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd love to hear what, what you're doing. Um, I mean, mine mine is very simple. If it's a business owner, right, that is a very sp- it's a conversation that's going to be different than someone who has a salary and you know has very steady income. It also depends on your goals. So if you're a business owner, it depends what stage of the business, right? If you're a new business. I think all of your money should be going towards your yourself, investing in yourself, in your business, right? Uh, to generate the cash flow that you need to live the lifestyle that you want, right? So if you're a new business, we're not having a conversation about retirement accounts. We're not having a conversation about anything until you have at least six months of cash reserves on hand in the bank, and you have a steady cash flow to keep feeding that going forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a business that's producing at a very high level. Right, I mean, that that's an arbitrary statement. So, so high level. What's high level? Let's say you're making. Uh, well, let's gr- just
0: put it this way: they're they're producing at a high level based on their expenses. Like sure, right? Sure. Like there's a lot more profit, if you will, coming into the business than what's necessary to, to go out of the business.
1: Yeah, let, let let's give like a small business example. Let's say the business is bringing in, you know, half a million. I'm I'm just giving a small example: half a million a year, okay? And your expenses for the business are 100 grand a year right? You're, you have a a very big potential that obviously that's gross incomes off the 500,000 other expenses. They're gonna have to pay taxes, et cetera. Um, you know, corporate taxes are lower, but they still pay taxes. Um, so, so the question is, okay, great. So, so where is the, most of the money going? Are you reinvesting into new products? Are you invest, reinvesting into, you know, branding? Are you reinvesting into technology? If it's that type of business, or do you want to start putting money away for yourself and your family? I think there's a healthy balance. Honestly, I think you have to do both. Um, you know, the, the business is, is priority though, because without the business, that's a cash flow machine, right? You have to have, like you said, you have to have cash flow, and you have to have that machine continually pumping income. Because eventually, if that pumping, that machine is pumping income continuously, and you have expenses, and your income is always greater than your expenses till so the day you die, you'll be financially free, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's what, that's what even in financial freedom really means. It's when you're passive income, and we're talking business, so business would be active income if you're working the business. But if you have passive income, call it income from, you know, a business that you don't actually work, work in directly, maybe you're on the board of directors or something like that, or dividend income or real estate income or, or, you know, royalty, whatever that might be for you, if that's greater than your expenses and you don't have to dip into your liquid assets to survive, then you are financially free. Right,
0: and that's and that's what you know. A lot of people would love to be able to do.
1: Right, and, and that's that's obviously the goal, or maybe it's not for some people. You know, I talked to my dad. And my dad's like, "Yeah, I'm going to work till I die." Well, that's cool. I mean, but he loves his work, and that's great. But he also, you know, people talk and and things change, needs change over time. But like, you know, that's the point is 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 having a steady cash flow to support your lifestyle. You know, so working in the business, the cash flow comes in. You can travel. You can enjoy. You can pay for your kids' college. You can do whatever you want buy real estate and, and, and enjoy your life. So that's what I would say. That's the conversation. But like for me right now, like I'm a young, I would consider myself a young business owner, Right for me, yes. When I started investing very young because I've had exposure to this and being in the industry for a long time, but now that I'm listening to a lot of the, you know, a lot of different, um, you know, mentors or call it what you want. And speaking of books, I mean, I'll go back to the book thing, but you know, just, just, um, Things that I've been reading, you know, about investing in yourself. Even the Gary V. crushing it, right? You gotta, you gotta invest in yourself. You gotta, if you're a business owner and your cash flow is not where you need it to be, that's the first priority. That's the first step. Before you're gonna get any returns in the stock market, before you buy, you know, don't get me wrong. If you have a family, you need to buy insurance and stuff. But you know, if you're using it as an investment, that's not gonna get you a better rate of return than investing directly in you, in your education. So that's what I tell people. And you know, obviously, there's we do business owner planning which those business owners are, are, are a lot older. They already have, have, they're in a later stage of their life, and there's different tax strategies and benefits and retirement accounts that they can use for their business, and that's great. Um, but this is, you know, I'm talking more about the younger business owner and the business owner mindset that you have to have to get to that point. Yeah. So. Side hustle. Anyway, go on. Yeah, side hustle, yeah. Get some yeah. side
0: hustles going. Let's go. Right. Um, so here's, what, here's how I look yeah. at it. As
1: yeah.
0: I, as i in, in Canada, I've got a certification, uh, certified cash flow specialist. And this is all about uh, behavioral spending, right? So this, you know, when it comes to the family or the personal side, and, and some of this I, with reading Profit First and my training in that, I can see how I can meld the two together into how a business, how this would apply to a business. Yeah. If you look at the family side, this is all about lining up your values with where your money is going. And I've, I've probably taken that to the, the nth degree to the point where for me personally, uh, how I look at that is if it's not going to be healthy for me to eat it, that's lining up my values with my money. Okay. If it's not, Going to serve the world and keep the planet around for you know my great grandchildren, then that's lining up my values with my money. So I won't you know I'll do my very best because I won't say I won't because I don't know everything there is to know about every company and every
1: product in my. No one does. Nobody does.
0: Yeah, but to the best of my ability, I won't support companies that destroy the planet that that aren't good for other humans. I won't invest in them if I if I can prevent it. and, and then when it comes to my values, is I love to see my money go into the things I care about. Like, right. you know, for me, I've sat down in front of too many people who have said, you know, this is great. Retirement planning. Everybody wants to talk to me about sticking money in my RSP and my TFSA and my 401k and all of that stuff. How do I get my kids to Disneyland in 18 months? How do I make that happen? Because, right. you know what, that's actually something I'd really like to do.
1: Right. And I think a lot of advisors that I speak with, like the old school advisors, like I hear so many horror stories of advisors coming into situations, and they talk about the only things like retirement and, and future planning. And I'm just like, you know, I'm a millennial, but I'm also dealing with clients that are like 50, 60 years old. So I know their needs, I know that th- their thought process and all that, but it's a changing time, right? Like most millennials, or most younger people, or people that are more call it progressive. I, I know you're you're maybe you know a bit older, but you know you're seem very progressive in the sense that you're caring about the world and we have to make the world a better place. In it, and you gotta provide value. You gotta serve the people, right? You gotta do things that serve you and serve others. Um, so that's a it's it's such a different conversation, I think, with those with with those people. Like they don't want to You know, younger people right now they want to save for the long term, but they want to. Literally, like my motto: plan for tomorrow while living for today. Mm. Right? Plan for tomorrow while living for today. How can I do both? But how do I live for today? Because that's what I want to do. And um, yeah, I mean, I would completely agree with you. I think I share a very similar philosophy, and I think that's so important. Just investing in things that use that 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 match with your values, right? You don't need to try and get the best rate of return on on something that you don't believe in, right? Don't invest in it if you don't believe in it. Um, so I think that's that's really important. So what, what types of things are you doing with clients? If you don't mind me asking here, what kind of things do you do? You also do you talk about in the in that cash flow conversation?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, with everybody that comes in now, uh, I'd say ninety percent of clients that that come in, and and you know sometimes it's it's hard to be the this is the way it is, and I'm only doing business this way because uh, right. I want to serve people, but. It starts with uh, I have a cash flow questionnaire, uh, a workbook that they go through that asks not only questions like, "What is you know what do you value most about your money? What are three things that you want to see accomplish? You know, want to do in the next in the next short term, like like uh, twelve to twenty four months? Right. What does a long term look like for you? What are you most proud of about yourself? Like I actually want to know." interesting things about the people I'm going to work with because that tells me who they are and really speaks to like what their value is. And I'm amazed, you know, when I started that, that process of, of putting those questions in, I was really uh, nervous about it. Like people are going to think I'm a little too woo woo and, uh, you know, out there, but, but I'm amazed at what people write, like, like people actually write down like, Hey, I want to start a trust one day that serves people and serves hot meals. Like, and you look at that and go, really? Like that's, that's crazy. That's awesome. That's, awesome. Crazy. Right. But, but if I didn't ask, I wouldn't know that about that person, but that tells me something now where I can serve that person at a different level than I ever would have thought. Because, and it also shows me that, well, this person cares about the world. So do I need to have a socially responsible investment conversation with them? Is right. this somebody that would appreciate knowing that there's opportunities to invest in companies that align with a higher stage of values? Right. Right. And so there's that. And then there's the the and then there's the hard data, like money in, money out. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And now when you look at that, so when you get a list of, from somebody who says what their short-term passions are what they value, and then you start to see where the
1: money goes. It's like, oh. You're, you're and, aligning the, the, the facts with the feelings, which right. is something that we do in the planning process. It's, it's aligning the facts and the feelings related to your goals and your current situation to develop a blueprint that's going to get you to the end result.
0: Right. And so one of my favorite lines is to see like we're, you know, and this is not a knock against Starbucks. It's a great investment. Right. Well, I'll see somebody, sorry, not but, and I have a coach that I love here on the, on the Island, whose butts, you know, it's and so, and if I see that, like, you know, 200 to $300 a month is going out the door to Starbucks to lattes and you know, this kind of thing. And I go through all the questionnaire, I'll say to them, well, you know, one thing I didn't see on here was that you were driven to support Starbucks shareholders. Mm-hmm. And so, cause you're doing a really good job. Like the shareholders of Starbucks love what you're doing for them. Right. But are you investing in the company? Right. Like right. you don't own the company and those shareholders love you. And is that what, I didn't see that on your list of things that you wanted to accomplish. And, and now all of a sudden it reframes, you know, it reframes money. Like if I could get people really excited Instead of buying that next consumer item, if, if we could get them really excited about buying something that increased their cash flow, like a side hustle, owning a piece of a business that brings in right. more money or right. owning a dividend company or owning you know, anything that's going to increase their cash flow, that would be awesome. Like that's yeah. the perfect world for me.
1: Yeah, man, that's that's great. I think that's all. It's so important. I I completely agree with you. I've recently had to have a shift in my own mindset in this in this last year and a half, you know, two years. I was in a an old school advisory world where we're just talking about investments and retirement accounts. But I I kind of lost, call it my advisor mojo, in the sense that, you know, I felt there was a lack of inspiration. Something something that needed to to spark me. And I'm saying. I should be having deeper conversations with people about what they really want, right? They may not want to invest in, in, a, in, a, in a Roth IRA or something right now or especially special design insurance policy right now, and that's fine. I think if we do proper planning, right, and I've always found that if you do proper planning, you know, you, you find bottlenecks in people's situations. You solve their issues or problems. There will be the solutions that we provide for our clients that are, are most of, provide most of our income that will serve people very well right? Mm -hmm. As long as it's done properly. Um, But what are those conversations, right? What do they care about? What do they want to do? If they're someone I meet with a lot of people who have a fixed income from, you know, earned income from their salary, and they want to do all these things, but they can't, because they're either their expenses are too high. So we do do a budget like that. But I, I even like how you positioned it you know, really getting granular on on each thing. And, and I have with some clients and some clients feel that it's not as necessary. Um, but I, am I really think that going through a budget and doing cash flow analysis is so important for someone, uh, if they're willing to be as goal oriented and do it with you. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, if they're not, if they're not motivated, then it's like, we were talking about the other, you know, I think yesterday, if they're not motivated, then we're not going to, you know, we can't help you. That's, that goes in anything in life. Um, but just just getting granular on those things and then talking about what inspires you what do you what do you want to do right what are side hustles can you can you can you do to increase your income if you have a fixed salary and you want to you know have xyz goal by this time you want to be financially free you want to invest in real estate you want to you know pay take your kids to disney literally whatever it is you want to go to the bahamas you know how are you going to do that how are you going to, right how are you going to do that so teaching people i think today like the new the the advisor that i strive to become or the consultant that I want to become is, is not only helping them with the traditional methods of investing and, and saving and, and planning and tax strategizing, but also educating the masses on how they can go out and increase their income and look for opportunities that might be up their alley that might resonate with them with their personal values and actually take their life to the next level. Mm. Because now they have more cash flow. Right right, more cash flow, more opportunities. It's just the way it is. You can reduce your expenses and we can help with that. but at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer that that's only going to go so far and until, unless if you really want to you know be wealthy or do well with your money, you've got to have more cash flow and that's going to be through income sources. It's so be I- through investing in other businesses and stuff like that.
0: I have a question so one thing I think I shared this with you yesterday that in your conversation about the care you know, one of the things I, I kind of do my best to adhere to is, you know, if I care more about your money than you do, we're not a good fit. Yeah. Cause I'm going to lose interest. Like if somebody is not, is not willing to play full out and work with me and hold me accountable while I hold them accountable to, to, you know, being on top of things, then it's a, it's probably going to be a bad relationship. I'm curious, what do you, what do you have? Like, so I have some ideas around extra cash flow, and then, then we'll sort of move to, to wrapping up our, our call today. Sure. Uh, like, so, you know, one of the, a couple things that we have here is, uh, you know, we have an Airbnb suite in our house, which brings in some, almost pays our, our monthly mortgage. I recently, by accident, stumbled upon leasing out my vehicle, my truck that was sitting around. I had a pickup truck that was really doing nothing, and I knew somebody
1: that was starting a business. And You know, there's an app for that. It's called Tor- Turo. Have you ever heard of it? No. Turo. T U R O. You can rent out your car. You can, it's like, it's like Airbnb, but for your car. So if you own a car, I have a friend, I have two friends actually that are doing this right now. So if you're listening, these are some cool, cool ideas. Airbnb is a great idea. uh, If you have an extra room in your house and you want people to stay, get extra income. I have two friends that are actually doing it as a business where they bought a house, two homes, actually one in upstate New York, one in the South in the Jersey shore and they're, you know, they rent it out every week and they run it like a business. So that's a, that's a business. There's you know there's risk to that, but I have a client and I have two of my friends that are doing it and they're doing very, very well. So if that's something that you're serious about, you know, what I would, what I would you know, say is save your money into cash and, and look into that and study that business. But, uh, also if you, if you have a car, right, if you have a, a car laying around an extra car, uh, I have another friend who started a a business where he just rents out his car through this app called Turo. So, you know, if instead of going to the rental company like Hertz or Avis or anything like that, if you're traveling, you can go on this app or on the website, Turo.com, and you can rent someone's car for two or three days. And, and the rate might be cheaper than what you would pay with a rental car. Uh, and there's, there's insur- like Aaron B, they cover things like insurance and stuff like that. Amazing. Amazing. So there's stuff out there that, that you can do as little, you know, side hustles or income. Um, I think affiliate marketing is something that's really cool for people to get to learn online. Um, I have a, a couple of business partners and mentors that, that are doing that. And have taught me a little bit about that just because I wanted to be knowledgeable of what's out there. Right. And not, not only for myself, but for people that I talk to, right. Pointing them in the direct right direction. If I get in front of a client and I say, listen, I can't help you right now, but here's, here may be some ideas that you could go consider. Right. And I could get paid for that advice, right. In general, just paying for the overall, you know, advice. So, I'm helping me. I'm helping them. I mean, that's, you know, it's a win-win, right? So affiliate marketing is a great one. And there's so, there's different types of affiliate marketing. Um, I have a list actually on the plane on the way down to Florida last week, I made a list of all the mentors that I have in area, every area of my life that are experts in certain things. So I have a, I have a mentor that's expert in Facebook ads. Um, you know, and there's a few of them. There's a, there's a few that I have there an, an expert that's, uh, and uh, sorry, uh, someone who's an expert in affiliate marketing, someone who's an expert in let's say YouTube advertising and generating income from YouTube, guys. YouTube, YouTube is a, is another uh, revenue source. If you're an entertainer, all right, or if you start a podcast or if you start a channel, I'm considering starting a YouTube channel very soon. You, you get enough viewers, YouTube pays. They pay. I'm not. You know, you can Google what their what their payment rates and all that stuff is, but it's these are just things that are out there now that like. You know, we're we are so lucky, in my opinion. I, again, I, I'm I'm a very big Gary Vee guy. I, I, I'm I listen to him a lot. I also am big on like other mentors like Dean Graziosi, Lewis Howes, Tony Robbins. But all these guys, you know, talk about how lucky we are to to live. In Bloom society. Living Podcast, right? Bloom Living Podcast, boom. <laughs> and uh, you know how lucky we are to live in such a society. Like, think about it. Think about how spoiled of a species we really are. I was having this conversation with my parents the other day for Mother's Day. Okay, a hundred years ago, or even a little further, people didn't even have air conditioning, right? They didn't have, could you imagine in the 1800s, you, you come into your house in the summer, let's say in New York City or, or just anywhere in New York, and it's beating hot, okay, no AC. Now we, we and
0: come home. hold it, and you're wearing wool.
1: And you're wearing you're wool. wearing the craziest shirts.
0: Yeah, it's like you're wearing the craziest stuff. Like people are dying in the streets from heat exhaustion. And, you know, you're not wearing
1: like a T-shirt and shorts and stuff. There was no deodorant. (laughs) People must have stunk. (laughs) You know, and now, I mean, now look at our society. Now look at the technology. Now look at, I mean, everyone's got AC, right? Everyone's got, you know, not everybody, but, you know, people that, you know, these things exist, right? And now we have the internet, which is just, it just blows my mind the opportunities that are out there. And Mm. I used to be someone... When I, and I was young, I, I still am young. I'm only, I'm, about, I'm 29 next month. But when I was like 23, 24, uh, you know, I was like, I would get down and sad and feel bad for myself that like, you know, things weren't going my way. And then I had like this big epiphany and wake up call. And I'm like, Oh, my God, like, there's just so much out there that I could learn or that I could even just expand my mind on. I'm never going to be an expert. I don't want to be an expert in everything. But I just want to know, you you know, Gary V says, like, taste, taste different things, right? And just kind of feel what you like and see what's out there and learn. And then you you know, ideas would naturally come to you. And that's kind of like what I've adopted now. And I feel like now I'm really just even getting started. Um, But I mean, listen, it's out there. Right, the, the the opportunities are out there. Starting a podcast. Look at podcast revenue. Right, if you grow your podcast uh, big enough, you get sponsors. It's revenue. It's a business. Look at Lewis yeah. House. Look what he's done. It's amazing. Right, and he started at the bottom. Um, there was a little book he, he has. Uh, I got to read some of his books that are, I haven't I haven't yet. But um, the Millionaire Morning. He has like this little pamphlet that he sends out uh, that you can that you can buy. If, if you're, uh, sometimes he was promoting it on just one of his stories and I bought it. It was a very, it's like an easy read, it's like 30 pages, but one of the simplest and, and I think important little reads that I've had in a while, it just shows, you know, what you need to do from a mindset wise to, 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 to live, call, call it that millionaire life. You want to be on that status. You want to get there. You have to have certain, um, habits, certain, a certain mindset. and. You have to go get it, you got to go get it and and just teaching you these little tools tricks and and habits to to go do that, um, so anyway, man, I'm going on a little rant, but I think that there's just so much out there, and it's really amazing.
0: when you pray, move your feet <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> Hey uh, Greg, this has been awesome. Uh, how do people get a hold of Greg
1: yeah, so. Uh, right now, best way to get a hold of me is you can follow me on Instagram at Greg Drosdow, So at G-R-E-G-D-R-O-Z-D-O-W at Greg Drosdow on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Greg Drosdow, either my personal or, or, or my business page. And um, if, you, if you, you need to email me, you can do email Gregory.Drozdow at Prudential.com. Uh, that's all changing. We got some updates on that coming soon. So I'm very excited for that. But right now, definitely social media is the best way to follow me. Stay in tune because uh, I'm coming, uh, coming, coming hot and hot soon with some some good stuff. Providing value to the people, value to the people, getting out there. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, Greg, thanks a ton, man. Thanks for connecting with. I think uh, I think you and Leslie connected first. Is
1: that right? Um, I'm not sure. I think I reached out to one of you guys. Both of you guys, maybe um, through Cody. Right. So, yeah. so I come up and the, I come up team, Cody Kearns. Thank you, man, uh, for, for just, you know, doing what you do and allowing people like us to connect. It's awesome. It's really is awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah and, I, and I'll, I'll do a shout out to Cody as well and his team. And of course I'll do a huge shout out to my wife, Leslie, who just makes all of this stuff happen for me. Uh, I would be, yeah, this, this, we wouldn't have been talking today if it was left up to me, Greg, to be honest, it would yeah. be, like, uh, there's, there's too many moving parts and I would just be throwing stuff out like nah, I don't have time for that. Don't have time. For
1: that. <laughs> there is man. You got to That's great. I mean, thank you, Leslie, for all your help. Appreciate it. Um, power couple. You guys are a power couple. It's awesome.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I, one of these days we'll have to talk, uh, cause you're, you're
1: married, right? Layla, yes. Yes, I am. Lila. Yep. Lila. Okay. How long have you guys been married? We've been married for a year, about a year and a half, November of 2017. Okay. Awesome. So been together for about eight years. Wow. Met in college.
0: Right. Awesome. We Leslie and I met on a film set. Oh wow. Because we were both in the entertainment field, right? As I and yeah, something we didn't talk about was your piano playing and my drumming.
1: Yeah, we can chime on it for a second if you if you want. How long have you been playing drums?
0: So I started playing drums in in grade three. So I'll age myself here. In 1972, I moved to the West Coast in Canada, and my next-door neighbor who was in my grade three class had a drum kit. Wow. And I saw it, and I was like, I was done, right? It was like hooked. I must play these. And so in 1977, my parents bought me a drum set. And uh, and that's all I did every day. I went home after school, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I practiced. And I, like, I put in my 10,000 hours of practicing my drum kit for sure. And then that eventually led to making a few CDs, touring parts of North America, having some songs on some TV shows. That's awesome. Led me into the film industry where, because the great thing about working in film was I could go away on tour and then come back and not lose my job because I just put my hat in the ring when I was in town. Right. And, uh, And then I met Leslie and eventually I became jaded and cynical as an artist, which is like the kiss of death as an artist. I didn't want to do it anymore, and and I wanted to you know get married and have kids, and and I was with Leslie, and I was like, if I'm going to get married and have kids, I, I need to do something else, and I read this book called The Wealthy Barber, which is about paying yourself first, essentially, wow. using using the investment markets to grow a retirement, and the this guy was the barber, and he was the richest man in town, but nobody knew it because he just had this little barber shop, but he lived under this uh, under this premise of paying yourself first, right, That's right, discipline. And I read that and I was like, oh, my head exploded. And I was like, wow, I had no idea you could make money while you slept. This is right. awesome. And that that began, that was 20 years ago. And I, that was the shift is I, I read that little book and immediately opened a trading account and lost a boatload of money.
1: <laughs> no strategy?
0: Yeah, no, just buying stuff on the, you know, doing my own research and just trying to figure it out. And uh, yeah, paid paid dearly for that. But that's okay. It was a great lesson. It was a you know that was right at the two thousand right so dot com right I was part of the dot com bubble, and I had you know I didn't have petfood.com, dot com but I might as well have <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah man it's time in, time in the market it's only only um it only accounts for about one percent of successful rates of return right one yeah. percent one or two percent so that's great man well, yeah, that's awesome i we should jam some time I've been playing piano for since I was four. Uh, I'd like to, to say I'm, I'm pretty fluent in, can play most things, jam with my friends. I mean, classic rock, pop, whatever it is. You know, if it's a, you know, it takes me some little time to, to learn something if I have to learn it, but it can generally learn things pretty quick. And I just love to jam, man. It's so much fun. It's such a stress relief. It's the best. Music is the best.
0: Well, I feel, uh, I feel a trip to New York in our future because Leslie and I love going to theater.
1: Together. nice and nice.
0: Uh, and our twin daughters are they're 12 they love they both you know perform in musical and they both love going to theater as well so uh, we were there a couple years ago it's we're we're likely due for uh, another visit in which case that that may present the opera i'm not going to bring drums but
1: um, <laughs> yeah. plenty of places you can get a studio here for like 20 bucks for an hour it's easy
0: all right, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great connecting with you. This is, you know, we've never talked this long before in our lives ever. So it's been great for me to really get to know who you are and, and your thinking. And I'm glad we think a lot alike.
1: And Definitely. There may
0: be, uh, there may be the uh, possibility of doing some doing some business together uh, in terms of serving people that I have in the U.S. and have connected with that, that need some uh, great assistance. So
1: Absolutely. Sounds, good. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, To the next time, best of luck with your podcast and uh, keep it rolling, man. It's great. Keep it rolling. I love it.
0: A huge thanks to today's guest and to you for being a part of the show. Now, if any of the ideas or stories did strike a chord with you, then I'd be honored if you would just take a quick moment to do a couple of things. One, if something in particular did resonate with you and you feel like it would make a difference in the lives of others, then please go ahead and share this through your social media channels. We'd like that very much. And two, if you are feeling compelled to join in on our ever-growing Bloom Living conversation, then hit the subscribe button and we'll show up every time there is a new episode available. You know... It's not only my goal, but it's the goal of our entire Bloom Living team and community to be the very change that we want to see in the world. All ideas begin with a conversation, first with yourself and then with others. So we welcome your voice and we ask that you send along any comments, thoughts, or questions. This is Thomas DeShooter, Bloom Living. I don't want to turn your stomach fast I don't want to get all mired into that sentiment I don't think i found me a pocket here There's five bumps on my television My mailbox of bankers are pouring